0: Well, hey, thanks for that, uh, that slam dunk that you threw down on me, Eric, a month or so ago. I mean, does anybody, like, look at a sunset, like, on a beautiful day? What is that cat doing? Uh, Jim is doing that swooshy thing again. I already getting a little bit of shit. Am I allowed to say shit? I get yeah. a little bit of shit. It's- And welcome to episode 50 of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. I'm your host, Adam C. McKinnon. Uh, My co-host, Jim, couldn't make it tonight, but I am very privileged to talk to Craig Edwards, uh, writer at Fangraphs. Craig, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. So uh, you have taken on the uh, sacred duty this year of the uh, free agency article at at graph something that you know typically dave, dave cameron or kylie mcdaniel would do but you've taken it on and i gotta say you did a fantastic job with it this fantastic job with it and uh i just kind of wanted to jump right into it and just say from a bird's eye view what do you think fans and everyone can kind of expect this year from free agency
1: uh you know i think the the general consensus is that it's going to be a pretty long pretty slow winter i think that uh you know the guys at the top are probably gonna do do fairly well um you know there's still gonna be a market for for those elite players and there's maybe just enough teams out there who are willing to spend money to get them but then uh, after that uh you know it's it's gonna be it's it could be a long time before some of these guys at the end or maybe even some of the guys in the middle get get signed to contracts just because uh teams are uh face a little bit of an uncertain future and they're trying to figure out uh, what their budgets are going to be. And, you know, even though, um, you know, there's the possibility that that things will be better next season. Um, generally, generally speaking, uh, you know, the, the teams are already, you know, have already made announcements that they're cutting payroll. They've been cutting minor leagues. They've got staff. I mean, they're right. just, they're, they're cutting. And so uh, that's going to translate to free agency as well. And it's going to, it's going to hit a lot of the players that are further on down the line just because um, even though uh, the the class isn't anywhere near as good as it was last season, uh, you know, when you had Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg, I mean, the, those guys are, you know, just just a elite top of line talent uh, at, you know, the right age. Um, this year's class doesn't have those guys. Uh, it does have a lot of, you know, interesting, intriguing names, guys who deserve to start on, you know, potentially contending teams, uh, fairly down the list. And, uh, uh, even, even guys off the list, uh, will get jobs, but, um, it's, it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be incredibly enticing, uh, especially with, uh, the non-tender deadline coming up in another month.
0: Right. And I was actually, and I was going to ask you too, like, I, 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 was almost thinking to myself, you know, even in a vacuum, even if there wasn't all this uncertainty, it, it feels like a really, really kind of a, a weak class in comparison to ones that we've seen in the past, uh, you know, in terms of, like you said, last year in particular had being a really good crop. Um, you know, so I I wonder, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, in the article, you know, that the pandemic has depressed, you know, spending and things like that, you know. Uh, how much do you think that between the pandemic and the CBA how and the uncertainty around the rule changes like expanded playoffs and, you know, DH and things like that, what do you think play, would play the biggest factor in all of this? Uh,
1: you know, I think the the pandemic is, is the biggest factor, but I think that if you're talking about, you know, free agency in general, um, this year was always going to be uh, much lower uh, in terms of salary, in terms of payroll in the previous years just because it is the last year of the CBA and uh, teams tend to you know hunker down a bit um, when you know they know that there's negotiations coming up and that they don't necessarily have um, you know the 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 new deal all all set to go and so you know the payroll was going to drop this year without the pandemic and now you you add in the, the fact that uh, teams didn't have fans in the stands, um, you know, it 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 makes them go even slower. And then, you know, you've got the fact that it's just uh, not as good of a, a free agent class. So, I mean, I, I think that in terms of, you know, what's the, the biggest factor, um, I think it's still the, the pandemic, but I think that um, the... the a close number two is the fact that salaries were going to go down. And then I think number three is the class itself. And then, uh, I I think, you know, the universal DH and, you know, uncertainty around that or around expanded playoffs is, is further down the list.
0: Right. I, 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 it's like almost the collision of all the, all the factors at once, um, kind of like you said, it was going to happen anyway, but this is probably just making it all a hell of a lot worse. Um, you know, so the article itself really kind of hones in a lot on specific players, but I'm curious if you think there's one team that's going to make a notable impact, you know, given everything that we just said, of course, Um, is there one team that's going to make a notable impact this year? And why is it the Mets? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, it is the Mets because they have an owner who, uh, you know, just bought the team and he's worth you know tens of billions of dollars and uh, he'd like to win and so um you know and it's it's one of those factors where you know we talk about the pandemic at the forefront you know Steve Cohen billionaires at the forefront but also for the Mets you have the fact that you know they've got almost no guaranteed payroll after the season you've just got the DeGrom and the Cano contracts and then even those are only a couple of years out and then you've got basically nothing. So I, I think that, um, you know, the fact that they don't have a ton of future obligations would set them up under any normal owner, Um, you know, not the owner that the Mets previously had, but uh, you know, the, the new owner or any, more standard regular MLB owner would be looking at this year and saying, hey, we can, we can spend a little bit in free agency. We can add some payroll. And I think that, you know, the, the Mets, are the, the, the name that gets talked about the most, I mean, you're also hearing some chatter about, you know, the Giants and, or maybe the Blue Jays uh, as well. And, um, you know, it, it'll be, you know, sort of fascinating because, you know, there really only are, three guys at the top of the free agent uh, list who you think are going to be in that hundred million dollar mark. And so maybe you, you ship uh, one of those guys to each of those teams and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen, happen elsewhere. And then obviously the trade market is going to make a a big difference. uh, If guys like Lindor or other guys are, are made available.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I was going to ask you about that. The, how, you know, the trade market this year, like, like you just said, you know, with Francisco Lindor and, and guys like that, how much of an, it, do you think that's going to play any more or less or about the same Im, impact on the free agent market itself when given all the circumstances we've just talked about?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's, it certainly seems like Lindor is going to get moved. And so if you're looking for a top flight shortstop, um, it would seem that you know you could, the best you could do in free agency is you know Marcus Simeon or maybe Didi Gregorius or maybe you would gamble on you know Kim coming over from from Korea in terms of a shortstop. But you know you you start putting Lindor out there and you know he's he's at another level and so then that that's another situation where it puts free agents on hold because right. you know if you're waiting for the Lindor domino to to fall then all the other guys are waiting as well. And uh, I, I don't know exactly what the trade market is going to look like for Lindoros. It, it was pretty limited for Mookie Betts last season um, in a much better financial situation. Although the the Red Sox made it worse by, you know, needing to, to attach David Price's contract and sort of, sort of even things out, I guess, um, yeah. you know, so I think, you know, if you want to add a, you know the current financial situation to to where Lindor is at versus Mookie Betts, and then you're saying, well, maybe he can get return that same type of package without the the extra Silliness. David Price salary, yeah. you know, situation. But that's still only you know like a top 60 ish guy, and like a back end hundred guy, and a guy who you know is maybe a decent major leaguer and mm-hmm. Maybe that's what Cleveland's looking for. Um, you know, that's that's not a ton, um, but uh, we'll see if if how many teams are are willing to to, to make that leap.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you 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 do look at a lot of the trade market and the and with the the more elite teams. In, in baseball, you know, you look at the Dodgers. I, somebody, I think it was uh, uh, Ben Limber or somebody, mentioned that the Do- two of the three, Cy, you know, top Cy young vote getters were Dodgers pitchers that were just cast aside or t- traded away, and still managed to to you know they replaced them almost immediately. It's like an embarrassment of riches. Um, but with the trade market, there was there was one person that I thought. Maybe he'll play a role. I don't know what you think uh, about Nolan Arenado. You know, it, it's always been like that tense relationship with the front office. They're going to trade him. They're not going to trade him. There's they're talk about the opt out. You know, do you see that playing any kind of a role this season?
1: I mean, it certainly seems like the you know the um, Rockies are looking to be one of those teams that cuts salary and Nolan Arenado makes $35 million. And so, you know, you add that up and you say, well, maybe, maybe they move him. But at, at the same time, the, the contract doesn't with Arenado doesn't have a ton of value. You know, he's making a boatload of money and he can leave after one year. And so, uh, you're not going to trade up a whole lot to get him a, because he's already got a market value contract and B you can't trade thinking that you're going to have him for you know five years and then only have him for the one uh, if he's really good. You know you you're you're getting downside. You're not getting the upside there, and so um, it's going to be a situation where I think the uh, I, this was the situation heading into the last year that the Rockies were going to have to attach cash if they wanted to get a decent uh, return, and maybe that. Money is down the line, um, you know, so that the Rockies get more relief now. But at the same time, how many teams are adding $35 million? So, you know, you you think maybe some team has a guy on a one-year deal that's, you know, $15 million or something. Uh, Then that team can only can add $20 million and the Rockies can get rid of the the longer-term burden. But still, you're talking about moving a franchise player for um, nothing that that really helps – you know you down the line other than payroll flexibility and and you know it certainly seems like it's not flexibility that they want that they just want to cut and get that savings
0: right you're you're the red Sox at that point yeah (laughs) it's yeah i I was i've always been curious because that's something that's been bounced around a couple of times and and i and i agree with you i think the trade market is something worth watching uh towards the top of the list i had a couple of players i wanted to ask you about and uh you know the the first one is the is the very top of your list which is JT Realmuto Muto, uh, a 30 year old catcher solid 4 to 5 win player every year since 2017 you know, his strikeout rate has gone up like it was, you know, 18 and a half percent up to, you know, I know 2020, I'm asterisking all of these, you know, ranges 20, almost 25% while his walk rates usually around seven to 8%. He's a plus defender. He's a plus base runner for a catcher is, is what, what's your take? What's your take? Cause a 30 year old catcher is usually a huge red flag
1: yeah well i think the you know the white Sox signed a guy a year older last year and they you know did well obviously you know for considerably less than i have um real muto pegged for but uh i mean there's i think there's a lot more certainty with real muto than there was with with grandal and um being a year younger helps you know that that extra year in what is your prime or close to your prime uh makes a pretty big difference and grandal went out and got you know 75 80 million dollars and i I think that uh you know real muto you add an extra year maybe two and i I think that that that's sort of where his market's going to be um i think that it, it helps that he's coming from a team in philadelphia that is a big market team that needs him back and that there are teams two teams actually in new york that uh will also be rumored to be in him now i know that they're going to downplay that, you know, as much as they possibly can. Cause you know, that's, that's where we're at right now, but uh, you know, he, they, he fills a need there. And, and I'm sure that <clears throat> if those teams were not in it, some other team would, would potentially step up to, to maybe uh, either push Philadelphia higher or, or get them for himself. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, there's, you're always going to have concerns about any player in their thirties and maybe particular league catchers. Cause you know, they're uh, squatting and, you know, on their knees and, and Rio Mito is a guy who, who, who plays a ton of games. Um, but uh, you know, the, the defensive improvements that he's made over the past few years, in addition to what he's already done, you know, it, it sort of raises the, the floor a little bit. I think, um, you know, you, you hope that the bat stays up. You know, uh, well above average for at least the next few years, and maybe dips down a little bit. Um, you know, you don't want him to be, you know, the the DH first base guy at thirty four, thirty five. But um, you know, if if the the catching wears down and he still has the bat, you can you can look at that as well. But I think that uh, in this class, um, if you're looking for an elite player, um, he's the guy that that I would take over over Springer.
0: Sure. And do you think, I wonder if in, like you kind of hinted, you know, this is, it's not uh, unheard of for a catcher to end up in that sort of DH, you know, first base position after a few years. Do you, do you wonder if the, if by him, by the Phillies not making the, the, the effort to re-sign him while he was under contract, he goes to free agency, the contract gets bid up. And then we could end up in that situation, and then the Phillies are are sitting on yet on another high ticket contract, or a contract that just sort of furthers the perception of you know them signing bad contracts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you know they've you know they've they've gone out in in free agency and spent in order to sort of attract um, you know. Basically, win their fans back after they, you know, were 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 down uh, pretty far down for for a few years there, and you know, sometimes it takes it takes some of those moves to uh, you know get get fan interest, get the season tickets up, and that certainly worked for the Phillies. Of course, uh, in order to sustain that, you actually have to start winning, right. um, and so now they're they're at the point where um, they need to they need to actually win some games and it's a weird situation where uh, the Rio Muto is a guy that they already have didn't win with. Um, and, you know, they, they, they could go out um, and spend some of that money elsewhere, but um, the, the downgrade potentially at catcher is probably bigger than any upgrade they could find uh, so, somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I remember going to Citizens Bank Park when it was a you could buy nosebleed seats and walk all the way down to the dugout pretty much and uh it's uh it, it's been like a wild roller coaster ride in in Philadelphia and I just I wonder if uh yeah, if signing him would almost be in like you said, like an extension of goodwill, like hey, you know, we're trying here type of thing. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Um the the next guy on the list, you know, Marcelo Zuna and a full disclosure if i am a Braves fan and i i am not on the re sign ozuna bandwagon um i kind of and you are much more knowledgeable than i am so you can tell me why i'm wrong on this but i feel like you know we've seen this from ozuna before you know he has an like a great like elite season and then is pretty pedestrian the next year Uh, you know, so tell me, tell me what you think, how how is this going to shape up for Ozuna? And, uh, is, am I wrong in saying that, you know, saying that maybe he might be a little bit of fool's gold here?
1: Uh, you know, he's obviously a pretty tough guy to read cause he had that breakout year for, for Miami, they traded him and then he was basically just a slightly above average player for two seasons in St. Louis. And then, you know, he ended up, uh, with just the, getting the, the one year contract with the Braves. And obviously I think it's going to pay off for him, not, you know, taking a two or three year deal somewhere else. Um. But, uh, you know, there's, there's questions uh, about his defense, which is, you know, kind of crazy from four years ago, he was the guy who could play center field, um, and, uh, you know, you, you maybe worry about the some of the decline there. He's he's relatively young, especially for this free agent class. Uh, you know, I think he's he's turning thirty maybe in the next uh, five six months, something like that. So, you know, he's not he's not terribly old for a guy who who can play outfield. But I think that you know, there's a lot of teams who are gonna say, you know, this guy's this guy's a DH. Um, the thing is, like, you know, when when he makes contact with the ball, he hits it really freaking hard. <laughs> So, I mean, you would think that that is a skill that could carry you um you know into your later years a little bit you know the the that that bat to ball um is something that that could go well for him for for years in the future, and I think that he'll he, he is a guy that you know will be up and down for a while and you know the problem in st louis seemed to be like he could just he just couldn't get the, the ball in the air often enough and right. that seemed like much less of a problem uh in atlanta this season and you know if you if you buy that that's the type of player he's going to be going forward then you know that i think i take him for like four years and 70 million dollars and you know that's that's going to be a pretty good deal for you if if he is that 35. 40 homer player who's going to be, um, you know, in the, you know, at least one thirties, maybe for, you know, what way runs created plus um, even as, even as a DH, that's going to be a solid deal. But I think that, I think teams are going to see, see some risk there uh, as well. And that's probably going to limit his suitors, but um, there's, there's not much in the way of impact bats in this free agent class. And so that, that should serve him pretty well.
0: Sure, it's he. May, he makes me nervous, man. He makes me nervous. He's the the two years that you know he had the one forty three and the one seventy nine last year. This year, uh, one runs created, weighted runs created plus. He needed a three fifty five and a three ninety one BAPIP to get it, and it's in every other year. It's like he can't. He just can't string it together, and. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 I, I, know a lot of people I know that are on in the Braves Twitter section are, are like, you know, screaming for us to re-sign him, but I, he makes, he makes me nervous. He makes my blood pressure go up, man. Um,
1: yeah, Braves are two for two on getting the, the one year deal right. guys right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it the AA has a way about him with one year deals, I guess. Um, and so tell me more about, and I'm going to mess this up, uh, huh? Hasun Kim, uh, the 25-year-old, um, you uh, projected him for an average, a projected annual average value of about 12 million a year, 12 z- potential four-win player based on the the Zips projections. That seems like a really good deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a really wide range. I mean, I think right. some people are projecting him to get about half that that much money and mm-hmm. think that he's more of a fourth outfielder or not fourth outfielder, but utility, uh, infielder type of guy. And, you know, obviously you don't want to pay, um, you know, you don't want to guarantee, you know, $50 million for that. But if you look at the projections and, and how the, what he's done translates over to the U S and then you, you look at it, I think his age is, is a big thing. You know, if you, if you, you're getting, when you get guys in free agency, you, you've mostly not gotten their prime years. Um, but you could do that with Kim potentially. And, um, it's, it's a bet on upside. And I think that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you, you end up a little bit disappointed if, if things don't quite, uh, turn out well, and maybe the, the bat doesn't quite, uh, translate as well, but, uh, at the same time, um, I guess if you're if you're a sort of a high variance team, if you can afford to take some risks, if you're in um, maybe you're coming out of of a rebuild, but you're not quite there. He's he's the type of guy where you know, you spend a little bit of money, not a lot, but if it works out, then things really work out, and you have have a, a real bargain on your hands when you're ready to start really spending money.
0: Sure. I uh it, it, what got, what got me is every time I went to a couple places and read up and the word toolsy comes up every time. Like, you know, a guy that they talk about is tools, but they also it's like every article almost like, you know, shows both sides of the hand because they they'll talk about how toolsy is how how you know how good he looks in the field but then they'll say well he's he's 59 he's he's a little undersized he doesn't walk enough and he's about to face a big pitching upgrade i saw one site that said he had kind of a wild looking swing with a lot of movement to it so i i agree with you i think it's like one of those things that could work out but it doesn't it, do you it, it seems like it could be a really high risk but it could also be a high reward for a team like like, like Cincinnati, like you said, or, you know, like, like a team that maybe is like teetering on contention coming out of a rebuild or something like that.
1: Yeah. If you've got already got a, a number of things that like you're hoping to break, right. Then it doesn't really hurt you to to add a few more of those, those right. things because, you know, adding a little bit more floor maybe isn't going to get you, maybe gets you to 82 or 83 wins, but if you're that a if you're in that 80 81 win range and you're hoping to get into the 86 88 you know 91 wild range you know you you can you need to have big internal improvements or hit on a few free agents like that were bargains really well or just spend a ton of money and go out and buy those wins but uh, for the most part um, it, it takes a lot of things to go right um, and and adding a little bit more to to your floor doesn't help you as much as, as creating more ceiling.
0: Right. No, I, I agree with you. It's, it's almost like, why not? Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you come out the other side of the CBA and if you've got a good, you know, you got a young player with a lot of upside, if it works out great, if it doesn't, Who's going to remember anyway?
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're the if you're the general manager, you know, I don't know that this is the one that you really want to sell to your owner as being like <laughs> the next, like, well, how's he going to do? It's like, well, you know, I think, I think, it'll, I think it'll be good. You know, it yes. seems like it, it will be. And, you know, what's $50 million to you? Come
0: on. <laughs> Come on. You're Steve Cohen. Yeah. What's fifty million dollars to you? Um, that that's going to be a quote that someone's going to put on the wall somewhere. What's fifty million dollars to you? <laughs> um, so, uh, last question I, I kind of wanted to ask you about, and, and me this is completely like off the top of the head, and and I want to know if you know if there's anything to it. I I've kind of had this this thought of like okay George Springer like you you mentioned earlier, he's hitting the the market is probably the next like the one a under real Muto in terms of position players. Um, do, do you think that the, the Astros like George Springer's the first of that core group to kind of really go into the open market. Do you think that anyone's going to look at this as a sort of litmus test for players like, like Correa and Altuve and, you know all these other players coming up behind him in terms of how they do in free agency do you think this is that they're going to be hurt hurt more than other players based on you know, that, I, everything else
1: it's one of those things where um it's it's similar to if you know a colorado Rocky goes and signs somewhere else um you know people will say oh you know in you know that's it's unfair to to george springer it's unfair to to the rest of of the astros in terms of putting it all on how george springer does outside of houston just because that's not um it's not really an accurate or a good way to do things. Now it's not really unfair to George Springer or the Astros because you know what they did. So I I think um, it's, people might use it as sort of a a litmus test if, you know, Springer does, does well or doesn't do well outside of Houston um, in terms of, of how things will, will shape up for them Um, that, you know, that said Springer, has been very good uh, in each of the last two years uh, with the bat. So I think that, uh, you know, I think people might might look more the other way in terms of thinking that things won't work out uh, with him than they might with other players. And, you know, you mentioned Altuve, you know, he, he just hasn't, he he hasn't really, you know, hit all that well um, over the last year. And that could be due to any number of factors, but, uh, I mean, you, you know what people will say,
0: right? It's a, and a, I feel like, I feel like maybe front offices are probably a, just a, and I'm and I say a smidge, I mean a smidge more conscious of public perception than maybe they have been. So I, I wonder if that would affect it. And I know I said it was the last question, but speaking of public perception, because I don't really want to talk about this guy for the rest of the winter because he he's a very complicated and very frustrating figure. Talk to me about Trevor Bauer and, and tell me why, tell me when I can stop having to care about this little free agency parade that he's got going on right now.
1: Well, the Cy Young award didn't hurt him. I don't think
0: that's true. Um, (laughs) You know, uh,
1: you know, it, he, he is the only elite pitcher, uh, out there. Um, So I think that, you know, if you are looking for someone who's above a number three starter, I guess he's, he's the only option. Um, The, the question then is, you know, how many guys, uh, how many teams are willing to pay for that? And what's the structure going to be? You know, I think that, He previously said, you know, he was only going to sign one year deals forever. And then all of a sudden he got really close to free agency. And then he was like, well, uh, (laughs) you know, like uh, those multi year deals kind of look nice. So I I think that (laughs) I think that uh, he'll, I don't know exactly what the structure of the deal is. I don't know exactly why he was adamant about one year deals before before you know i i speculated that maybe he would end up um, you know the, the type of guy who would want an opt-out or two and that's going to bring the total value down that's going to bring down you know some of the teams that may or may not be be interested in in him but uh you know ultimately i, I think that you know some teams will will happily pay for his services and it'll be you know somewhere near a uh, hundred million dollars um you know, if if this had been a full season and he had put up a Cy Young performance, he might be in line for, for twice that much. But I don't know that, um, you know, the, the teams are going to do that in this current market and for, you know, a great, you know, I guess it's maybe season and a half at, at this point, um, right. you know, compared to what he had been doing previously.
0: Oh, man, I'm not, this is going to be a long haul. Well, we will. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right here, and uh, when we come back, uh, I've got some more some more questions for you. So we'll be right back. we're back and uh with me is craig edwards and uh you know we've been talking about free agency and i kind of we've been talking about the the cream of this otherwise wilting crop of free agents and i kind of wanted to hit you with just a a few little lists uh, like a few two or three questions about some folks that maybe aren't going to get all the headlines but i still kind of find interesting i'm a I am a sucker for the mid to lower tier player. That's just, that's just you're your rooting for them. So uh, I've got a few names I want to throw at you and tell me what you think. Okay. So um, of the, didn't make the cut old guy pitchers list. Who, who do you think of this group is, is probably the most a- attractive offer, not physically because Cole Hamels wins this every time, but like um, Cole Hamels, John Lester or Annabelle Sanchez
1: um that's a tough one I think I'd probably end up going with 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 Lester just because I feel like the the innings are are more likely to be there um I think you know upside is is Hamels but uh you know and you know Sanchez is sort of like a mix of of the two you know you, you don't really have the the same performance level, but, uh, you know, of the three, um, you know, I'd probably go with Lester, but, um, I would probably look for other options if they were available.
0: Does Jake Arietta enter into this mix at all for you or is he just off the trail?
1: No, I think that he's, you know, maybe that says more about the group, but I think that he's in that group. <laughs>
0: That's true. probably says more about the, the median. Um, okay. So, of the what i notice is this the the list has a lot of groupings and the one one of them that i did notice was there's a there's a grouping between 15 and tw- 15 21st and 23rd sits uh, respectively Liam Hendricks Trevor May and Brad Hand kind of guys with closer's pedigree you know have experience high end relievers how of the 3 of those you know to me it was you know, a lot of people would be I think a, a casualish fan would probably be, even be surprised that these guys wouldn't be sought after. How, how do you see the the path for these for these three people, three these three guys in particular?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I have Hendricks uh, cut above um, the other guys. I, I think that that his his performance over the past few years has been, um, you know, basically you know best reliever in baseball or something close to it. And so I, I think that. Um, he is, is at the top of the market, uh, but at the same time, I think that the way this winter is going to go, I think it will be tough for him to, you know, get that, you know, four year, um, you know, seventy sixty $60 million contract or whatever that, that, that top reliever might, might normally get. And so he gets pushed down and then everybody else gets pushed down. And so I, I think we, you know, we saw, uh, every single team in baseball pass on on Brad Hand. So I think I, I had him um, getting uh, I think like 220 or something like that but uh, um, I, I don't know if that, that's still in, in, the, in the range of possibilities because you know, usually what you see is uh, you know all the relievers that are out there get somewhere between eight and 10 million dollars for two or three years. Um, you have you know a few top guys, you know Will Smith got 340, a little bit higher. Um, but uh, generally speaking, the entire range of guys get you know somewhere in that two to three years, you know, eight to ten million dollars. And I think that um, it's gonna lean towards two or maybe one for some of these guys, but uh, I think they still get somewhere in that range but uh maybe a little bit lower than they would normally i think you know relievers are, are one of those uh sort of luxury items but at the same time uh yearly salary they're generally much cheaper than anything else so it's sort of uh you know i can go out in free agency and do something you know here's here's a reliever who <laughs> you've probably heard of yeah yeah and, you know, it can can help because everybody needs bullpen help, you know, whether or not it's a good idea to go sign these guys. Uh, I, I, I would probably lean against uh, if you have other holes, but, uh, you know, for, you know, getting that extra guy to, you know, for a team that's already contending and already doing really well. You know, it's 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 something you do with with sort of the the extra money that you have in your budget. Um, and I don't know that teams are going to have that in, in their budget this year, but, uh, they, they'll still, they'll, they'll pay something for, for, for these guys. And it'll be something closer to, to their standard rate of pay, maybe just fewer years.
0: Do you think that, do you want to think that the disparity, cause you know, normally you do have, like you said, you have that sort of top tier of relievers and then you've got kind of everyone else. Uh, do you think the disparity is going to be a lot smaller? Like we could see you know, guys like even like Rosenthal or Melanson or that neck, the, those lower tier relievers that still have some, like you said, some name brand recognition. Could we see the the gap in salary between the, you know, the Hendricks of the world, like start to kind of come down to that, given the market, like the disparity won't be as much as normal, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's possible that uh, the name or the role won't go quite as far as it as it has previously, but um, you know at the same time everybody everybody needs a reliever, and so you know they they all tend to to grab um, a guy or two, and you know maybe you end up with a bunch of guys on you know one one-year deals for you know four to six million dollars just because everybody waits the market out and i think that it's also a position where the non-tender deadline could be really big for them because relievers tend to get overpaid relative to everybody else just in arbitration and so um you know Brad Hand was in arbitration but you know a one-year 10 million dollar deal was too much for him and any, you know, semi-established closer decent reliever is going to be looking at somewhere in between 5 to 10 million in, in arbitration. And so we could see a, a whole slew of guys get become available um, in, in the next month or so. And so we might end up seeing uh, a bunch of relievers sign earlier to sort of beat that rush. Um, or if they don't, um, there's just going to be a bunch of guys Um, out there for a while um, or or at least, you know, through, through December or so until, you know, it's, it's another one of those situations where all the dominoes fall and it usually happens fairly quickly for
0: relievers. Right. It'll be a flurry of of signings. Uh, So the, from, from 39th to 50th, this might be my favorite part on the list because it, it is like a who's who of who was probably good at one point and may or may not be anymore. It's it's pretty fascinating. So just a quick rundown uh, from 39th down. Okay. 39th, Corey Kluber. 42nd, Garrett Richards. 43rd, Rick Porcello. 44th, Matt Shoemaker. 45th, Jay Happ. 46 I'm putting Robbie Ray in there I know he signed with Toronto but um, 47 he fits this mold 47th Adam Wainwright and 50th my buddy Chris Archer so I gotta I wonder what's your take on, on on this does this group under in a normal market year even make a top 50 list and my question my follow-up is what do you think happens to what do you think what do you think that happens to this group here?
1: I mean, you know, it's, it's a group with some Cy Youngs, uh, true. Top, you know, top <laughs> two finishes. So I, I, I think in a normal year, um, you know, a lot of these guys, I still think probably end end up somewhere. Um, you know, like maybe, you know, they get pushed towards the edge, but, um, it's, It's sort of a a situation where, you know, we saw Robbie Ray jump out and sort of get that one-year $8 million deal, and that's sort of the range that that all these guys are in. Um, Most of them are either, you know, have been hurt recently, you know, like Archer and Kluber and simply can't command the guarantee that they would normally. Other guys like, you know, Wainwright is, you know, he's just that, you know, the age where he can't possibly get more than, than a one year deal. And I think, uh, the, the same is true with Hap and, um, you know, Shoemaker looked like things were going really well for uh, a month or two, uh, during the season and then, uh, missed some time. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's for, for all of these guys, it's about finding the right, the the right spot, the right fit. Um, I think that uh, whether or not you know, they you know, these are the types of players that end up as fifth starters on contenders rather than um, you know the some you know three or four on some rebuilding team. Um, yeah. And I think that's the way that that most of these guys will will end up. They'll get that guaranteed spot in the rotation um, for a potentially good team, but they're not going to get all that much money for it.
0: If you had to guess of this group, who 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 are you betting on to to do like kind of like what you said, like a four or five, uh, you know, uh, on a on a contender, and and make the biggest impact on wherever they land?
1: I mean, you know, Kluber is the guy that you know has the potential to 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 make the biggest impact, and I think that um, after that, you've got Archer who um is coming off of an injury and he's another one of those guys who maybe things just didn't quite work out in Pittsburgh and he was pitching a little hurt and um he's going to be coming off an injury that isn't um doesn't have a great track record uh, of right. success but he's a guy who um you know I've always liked and he's a guy He's the type of guy you hope your team signs. I guess I would say because yeah. you know that potential's still there. He's not that old, um, and you hope that maybe he you know rediscovers uh, what he had back back in Tampa and and uh, gets gets the right fit. Um, I think it's the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've always you know with Archer in particular, he was always that you know high strikeout. Yeah, he would he would give you some you know he would put up some high ERA, but. You know, you do look at it. So much of his time at Pittsburgh has so many outliers. Like I, I was looking at it last night and a, tw- a 20% home run to fly ball ratio, like was like, it's those types of way out there type of things where I'm just like, man, he always just seemed on the cusp of like, he was good, but he always seemed on the cusp of being great. I and mean, when he was bad, he seemed on the cusp of like being okay. He always seems like a cusp on the cusp of the tier above where he is now. Um, yeah.
1: And obviously, you know, the, the time in Pittsburgh, you know, is you know, it's like, Oh, I'm a singer ball pitcher. Now I'm forcing pitcher now. And you know, right. he's just trying to work through different ways of becoming successful. And, and maybe it, as it turns out, he just wasn't completely healthy. And so, you know, a fresh start with, you know, some fresh ideas uh, about, you know, how to, to retool him. I think, uh, it, it would, it would be a lot of fun to see a, a good Chris Archer again. Um, and that's sort of why he's, he ends up on the list, even at 50, even though, you know, he probably has to take a one year deal with an option for uh, a second year where if he does work out the team gets, um, gets a, a second good year of him.
0: Yeah. Like a team or vesting option or something like that. Um, Okay. Well, Craig, before I let you go, uh, you know, give, give the the listeners something, one player, one thing, something to watch this off season that not everyone else is talking, like something that will take most people by surprise, except for Craig Edwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. Tell you what? This question took me by surprise. Um, <laughs> I'm really fascinated to see what happens with DJ LeMahieu. Um, I think that contract wise, if you look around, I'm, I've got to be the low guy um, on him. I'm just, I'm very skeptical that, that the market turns out uh, his way. I know that it seems like the Yankees really want to resign him, And it seems like there'd be interest from, from other teams, given the, the last year and a half he's, he's had with the Yankees, but, um, I'm really interesting, interested to see if he gets, you know, that 50, 60, $70 million contract. Cause, um, you know, I just, like, I, I look at it and I just, I just don't see how that happens for a second baseman in this market who's 32 years old. Um, and you know, I, I could very well be wrong, but, um, that's one of those, that's one of those things where, um. I was just sort of surprised at how much of of an outlier I was and you know (laughs) similarly like um, I you know I had Marcus Simeon um, ranked higher than it seemed like everybody else and I I just wrote about that uh, recently and so um, it's I'm interested to see how Simeon does because I would take Simeon over Mayhew, but it seems like the consensus is is something is something the opposite uh, of that so right you know I, i'm 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 kind of interested to see see how those two players both go and you know me being wrong about their contract doesn't necessarily mean i'm also wrong about the players and not that lemay is bad but um you know I, I i see Simeon potentially falling through the cracks here and um, he's a guy I would target if if I had a little bit of money.
0: Yeah, that's well. That is some that I'll be I'll be keeping my eye on that one because is a player that his profile just does not it does it, it almost like it doesn't match. It would it would match better in a different era or something like that. He, he's just that type of player. It's really intriguing. So, well, uh, Craig, I, I, you are very generous with your time. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking with me. And um anything we should be on the lookout for you personally or have anything on Fangraphs you got coming up?
1: Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to get back in the off-season groove and and uh get get stuff uh, pumped out every day, but uh so um, nothing in particular that that I'm working on uh right now just sort of uh reacting to the news a little bit here and there, so but uh, as things happen, um uh, you know, just always go to Fangraphs and see what uh me or everybody else has to say
0: that's right well i i very much appreciate your time and i hope you come back and see us thanks man
1: all right thank you